0: Okay, so tonight we're picking off, we're picking up with where we left off in the Sefer Milin from Avraham Yitzchak Hooks, Chuzi Ganalenu. We're going to be starting with the Pei. Now, before we get started with the Pei, just to be chaser a little bit to contextualize our conversation tonight, we're going to start off with what I see as the second half of Reish Milin, Right, we discussed the fact that Aleph through Lamed. Was the internal process of manifestation prior to actual externalization the movements that take place within the interiority Kabyadocus prior to its actual arrival on the scene of being and other than godliness and from mem to tough we discussed is the second half of disclosure which Simon Bahamma spell out mace because the the Externalization or the entrance into limitation outside of elocust is already a certain level of misa, a certain level of death, like the Safraditz Nusa writes that the Yarid delay that every individual that descends from their rightful space, Nikramisa, is considered a death of sorts, so from the Aleph Tallamd, which represents kale or elocust or godliness. And then from the mem to taf, which represents mace, there's an already a disclosure, which is a urida or a degradation from the interiority towards the exteriority. So starting from the os mem, we described how after the lamed, after the limud, after the absorption of all of the external ideas inward, the mem represents this khaliut, this water-formed, in the unity of its flowing nature that absorbs everything with no room for distinction. The Osmem brought to mind the Mayim and the flowingness of Chachmah. The Osnun represented the Aramaic Targum of fish, which represented the individualized particulars that are born outside of this Kaliyatakol, the emergence of particularity from within the generality of Chachmah. And we spoke about the Nun and the emergence of individualized experience. Then we came to the Osamakh. The Osamech represented the butzina, de Cardenusa, which in spite of the fact that it doesn't represent a standalone entity, it still nevertheless represents the limitation necessary for each and every individual entity to take on a particular form and particular existence. The budzina de Cardenusa, we said, which is the dark light, which is the paradox of unlimited aspects of divinity entering into limitation without losing their infinitude, yet maintaining the contours and the measurements of the kav Hamida of this measuring, this measuring ray. After the Os Samich, which again was just the smicha, the support given to the particularization that we found in the Os Nun, we came to the Os Ayin. The Os Ayin represented the vision that once the individual and particularized existence begin to emerge, so Ayin or vision is the way that they collect or that they are collate and they bring inwards all that they see. The ayin allows us to fill our storehouses, as we're going to see, and we discussed the differentiation of vision in the words of Rav Kook and through the lens of the Ramchal, which represented the Hanhagas Mishpat of the two eyes, the right eye and the left eye, which represents the duality of good and bad, Tov of Mishpat and and. Judgment and punishment, and the ayin echad, the singular eye of Arach Anpin, which represents the Hanhagasayichud, where everything that appears to be devoid of order and separate from the Hanhagasayichud eventually will be shown to be part and parcel of the unity of everything. Now, so from Mem to Ayin, what we basically have is the emergence of particularity, the emergence of individualized existence forming themselves and girding themselves, preparing themselves to begin this journey towards actual limitation. The Mem through the tuf represent the process of actual limitation. Once we get to the tuf, we'll see it's the Rosham Soni, the externalized impression, which actually results in something Mamashi, something real, something tangible that we can experience in the Malchus, the Malchus of Asiyah, as we're going to see when we get to the Ostes. To the Ostaf, I'm sorry. When we come to the Ost it's important to understand that Ost Pei for Cook is representative and brings to mind speech because of the closeness of the letter Pei, which is spelled out Pei Aleph, to the word Pei Hei Pei, which is mouth. And Cook is going to associate the letter Pei with the act of speech, with the enunciation and the saying and the speaking of things. Nevertheless, the ospe itself does not represent speech, because speech, as we're going to see, is already the enunciation of something tangible and something real. Now, we're still in the middle of the aleph base, so we're obviously not at the point where anything real has manifested yet. The real manifests when it hits the tough. So pe over here is going to represent the preparation towards speech, Yet it remains prior and interior to actual speech. So, in a certain level, pay for Ravkook, and Ravkook has a difficult time, in a certain sense, Kav Yachol, explaining this very clearly, and he takes a lot of space to do this. The pay represents the potential towards speech, the potential towards a deeper shlav of externalization beyond the vision of the ayin, as the particular that was revealed in the Osnun begins to take on a certain independent existence. Yet it doesn't represent the full manifestation of speech, which, according to Chazal, is already a ma'isa, already an externalized act, but it represents the inner aspect of speech prior to its enunciation, prior to the linguistic and spoken expression of something external. Now, for Rav the Os is going to represent this interior speech, this self-talk, if you will, within the individual themselves. It is not speech that is conveyed to something outside itself, which takes place by the Os tough, but it is speech that takes place mine ube within the individual themselves, within the aspect that we're speaking about itself, so that the movement of speech that we're going to be describing in the, in the words of Rav is not the expression of something externally, but it is the expression within interiority itself. The movement towards the outside, yet still caught up within the, out, within the inside. So, so to speak, in the Lashon, in the words of the Arizal, this would be what the Arizal describes as the chitsonius depimius, the exteriority of the interior, meaning that it is the preparation and the movement towards externalization, yet it is still caught up in the level of the interiority. And this is going to become clearer when we see in the words of Rav Kook. But one idea before the haqdamot, before the introductions that I wanted to bring out in order to understand this level of speech which is not quite speech the mouth which speaks but does not say anything and on a certain level it is the sound of silence itself because on the one hand it is sounds and it is utterances of the spirit within itself yet on the other hand it remains silent because it is not a full expression externally so it is the sound, it is the song, it is the speaking of silence itself the the spoken aspect of silence again the chitsonius which is the external expression which would represent Language of the panemius, which is silence, which is when the individual is stuck within themselves. So we're talking here by the ospey about the sound of silence itself, the spoken revelation of nothing, the silent exposure of the, the silent exposure of speech and its potential. Now, famously, Rav Simcha Bunim of Bshiska, the, the Rebbe of the Kotzka Rebbe, and the Rosh Hashalshelis of really Hasidus Poland in a very real way. Now, the P'shizcha explains something unique about the Chodesh of Cheshvan. And we're standing right now on the Erev of Rosh Chodesh Cheshvan already in New York. It's Rosh Chodesh Cheshvan. Now, Rosh Chodesh Cheshvan is a difficult month because Cheshvan on a certain level is Mar Cheshvan. It is the bitterness of Cheshvan. And the reason given to that by the Meforshim is because after the months of Tishrei, after the Yarach Sanim, after this month filled with Yantif and filled with potential and Kedusha, we come upon this silent month of Cheshvan, which is devoid of any specific Yamim Tovim. And Rav Simcha of has a remarkable take and an inversion of this negation of Yantif in Cheshvan, where he elevates Cheshvan to a lofty status, which will turn from the Mar Cheshvan, from the bitterness of Cheshvan, to the Ram Cheshvan, to the elevation of the transcendent nature of Cheshvan itself. He says that the word Cheshvan is rooted in the word Mar or the whispering or the, the muttering of the lips. Because Chash... The word chash is representative of silence. It's a month that is silent, devoid of prayers, devoid of the halal that we were singing in Tishrei. Yet nevertheless, it is representative of the mar chashas the continued whispering and the muttering of the lips. And Rav Simcha Bunim of Shischa says that chashvan is such a holy month, specifically because after we have said everything that can be said in Tishrei, we recognize that there is still something left to be said. There is still a murmuring of the lips, a continued utterance, a stuttering, if you will, that is not quite Dibor, that is still trying to convey that which was not conveyed through the kokos of speech. So cheshvan, or the utterance, or the murmuring of the lips, is representative of speech that is not quite speech in the sense that it is trying to convey that which can never be conveyed. So on Rosh Chodesh Cheshvan, It's kedai, as we'll see in the words of Rav Kook, to talk about the level of speech that is prior to speech, the potential of speech, the potential to say everything that can be said in combination with the realization that in spite of saying everything, we remain but murmuring with our lips, stuck in the fact that we can never enunciate and say exactly what it is that we want to say. Now with that hakdama. I'm going to give one other hakdamah to the ospei of Rav Cook, and that's going to be taken from the Mahara. We're going to see that dibor, or speech, is always associated with gvura. Like we say in Asherah, u'gvuraschal yameiru, and your strength shall be uttered, and your strength shall be spoken. And Rabbi Nachman in Torah Nunvav and Torah Resh Ayinvav explains that all Dibor, and the Arizal explains this as well, all Dibor is rooted in Gvura. Because to enunciate something, to say something, already demands a certain internal limitation within the individual. Because prior to speech, the thought of the individual is limitless. The thought can contain everything, it can contain all aspects and all opinions and all potential ideas that a person wants to think. Yet once a person begins enunciating and speaking and saying a particular word, then language is already a condensation and a contraction of the idea which remained in an infinite space, Be'erech Be'erach Dibor, in, rel, in relation to Dibor. Dibor is an act of tzimtzum. Dibor is an act of contracting and constricting the limitless idea into an identifiable and expressible linguistic choice. That language is always a specific choice to say one thing and not some other thing. That language is always a limitation. I might want to say two things at once, shamor echad, yet because of my limited status as a human being who is incapable of expressing two things at once, the ofen nifla, in an impossible way. I am stuck choosing one word over the other. So anytime that I speak, I am always already limiting the thought that remained beyond speech. So thought is already a limitation. Thought is already an added level of expression. Because again, Rav Kook over here is describing a shlav nosef, an additional level of expression externally. And speech is going to be considered an external expression, an external manifestation, because obviously when I'm speaking to somebody, it's for the sake of being understood by something other than myself. The same way we say that HaKadosh Baruch Hu spoke the world into creation, Baruch Sha'am Ravahaya HaOlam, Ravah Asa Maros Nivra HaOlam, that speech itself already demands that there is a listener, which means that there is something other than the speaker. Self-talk or speaking and pontificating into nothingness is not considered actual speech that can be heard. In order for speech to be heard and to remain meaningful, there must be an other who is capable of receiving that speech and integrating it into themselves. So speech demands otherness in order to actually be considered speech. But here, as we're going to see by Rav Cook, we're still talking about the potential towards speech. We're not quite talking about... The actual manifestation of gavura or speech, but we're talking about the inner movement or the inner preparatory stage of speech that is devoid of the actual external manifestation. The second Hakdama, beyond the fact that Dibor always necessitates a certain limitation in the sense that my thoughts swell up within me and it takes a certain act of gavura and limitation in order to choose one word to say, we're also going to see how there are two Shlavan, two levels of speech. On the one hand, there is the externalization of speech where I say something and it can be heard by people outside of me, where it's enunciated through my voice and through the five motsau saped that the Sefer Yitzhak talks about, the five areas in the mouth that create speech, which are again associated with the Chamisha Gvurot, the five potencies that come into the world, because potency and Gvura again is always going to be associated with speech. But prior to that, and Interior to that is an internal speech or what the Zohar and the Mikubalim before the Arizal would refer to as cold. That there is a coal and there is a dibor. There is the unlimited level of speech, the potential towards linguistic expression of language, of conveying one idea from myself to another person. And then there is the actual manifestation of that kol, of that voice, into particular words, into the chituchadavarim, into the breaking up of vowelization of specific words that demands a real act of gevura and limitation. So there is a kol and there is a dibor. The kol in relationship to the actual enunciation of words remains limitless, because the coal is the potential towards words. Before I say the first word, I can say any word. The possibilities remain limitless. Only when I actually enunciate a word and choose the word that I'm going to say, have I already made a decision, which is always associated with gavura. Now, so for Rav Cook, we're going to see that the ospeh is the preparation towards speech, it is the coal. it is the interior movement the movement of the self towards expression externally, yet remaining caught up within itself, within the internal limit of what can be expressed internally. And then eventually by the Ostaf, we're going to see how this internal limit, this expression of the self within itself, as it remains caught up within the self-identity of the self, we're going to see how by the Ostaf finally we can have an actual enunciation and a spoken word which represents the full culmination of the Aleph base. Now, one source that explains this in a remarkable way, and I'm not claiming that Rav Kook was drawing from the Maharal, although it's obvious, according to Mos Mephorshei Rav Kook, that Rav Kook was deeply united with the Maharal. He saw that the Maharal was the father, Kavyechol, of Hasidus and Lithuanian Kabbalistic interpretation as appropriated by the Vilna Gona and his students, that the Maharal on a certain level remained the grandfather of both Zeramim, of both pathways of religious thought that found their way through the historical manifestation of Hasidus and Misnagdin. So the Maharal always did remain an important source for Rav Kook, especially in his earlier writings of Enaya and the Pinkasakatan that came out recently. Nevertheless, we're going to see in the Maharal, a real introduction which will help us understand the ospey of Ravkoch. Now this is a maharal in Gevurot Hashem, which is safer on Yitzietz Mitzrayim and Golos Mitzrayim. And this is found in his Mesiv Shtika as well, but this is in Gevurot Hashem per of Perkoach. And he asks the following question. The maharal asks, how is it possible that by Moshe Rabbeinu, who represents the apex of human potential, the perfected individual, the Isha Elohim Kav how is it possible that we find the Kvedus Pet, a, a disability of speech, a stuttering, by Moshe Rabbeinu, like we find by the third beggar of Rabbi Nachman's final tale of the Sheva Batlarim of the seven beggars. How is it possible that this full individual, this fully manifested and self-actualized prophet of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Rabban Shalpobu Israel, how could it be that he is deficient in the area of speech, of Kvedus Hapeh? And the Maharal answers something remarkable. He says that vis-a-vis all the other senses which remain on a certain level, spiritual because they are independent of physical action. Hearing and seeing do not need any externalization in order to properly engage themselves. Dibor, he says, which demands a tnua of the lips, a certain movement of the lips, which represents an instantiation of limitation, because in order to move, there also has to be a setting of limit. So Dibor, he says, is a, is a davar chomri vagashmi That Dibor for the Maharal represents this limited aspect, something that is karov the something that is close to physicality and matter, according to the Maharal. So the reason, according to the Maharal, that Moshe Rabbeinu was kvei and was incapable of speaking without stuttering was because dibor was something physical, klape Moshe But the Maharal asks an important question based on his own internal writings, where we find elsewhere that dibor is the closest thing to elokus. That Dibor is the closest sense and it is what endows human beings with their physical, with their spiritual capacity. Like we see by Unkelus that the Ruach Hashem, that the Ruach Chaim that was given into Adam HaRishon was Ruach Mimalo, was the Koachot speech, which we spoke about by Os Aleph. That Targum itself, that the ability to speech and convey the original thought which remains enclosed within the self, is already that which defines the human being. So the Maharal says, The reason that I gave for Moshe Rabbeinu not being able to speak is because speech is physicalized and it is more appropriate to matter and limitation, and therefore Moshe Rabbeinu was not able to speak. Yet on the other hand, speech is this spiritual property within individuals which represents that which makes humans separate from animals. So how do we we align these two contradictory notions regarding speech? On the one hand, it is physical, yet on the other hand, it is the crowning jewel of human experience. And the Maharal says very beautifully in Gurus Hashem Parak that there are two levels of speech, like Rav Kook is going to be saying explicitly. There is the physicalization of words through the Khamisha Mitso Sapa, the Khamisha Gurus, that are necessary to enunciate words and to speak words out. And there's also the potential towards speech, which is a Dabar according to the Maharal, which is this internal act of translating. And allowing the limited the unlimited thought to enter into limitation so that it could be conveyed to other individuals. And he says that Moshe Rabbeinu contained obviously the spiritual capacity, the internal level of speech prior to enunciation, which is what allows for the unlimited thoughts to be conveyed by limitation and gulim and vurot and the chamisha motso osaka <laughs> Yet what he was de- deficient in was the physical nature of speech, which was the enunciation of words in actuality. So when Rav Kook says that the peh represents the initial stage of speech as it remains caught up within the, within the individual, their self-talk, which is not expressed externally, it aligns very beautifully with that first level of speech that the Maharal is talking about, that Moshe Rabbeinu was proficient in. Moshe Rabbeinu had the ability to translate kolon to dibur of the unlimited potential into limitation for the sake of the emergence of proteut. Yet what Moshe Rabbeinu was deficient in was the actual enunciation of words, which Rav Kook is not going to be talking about in the UK. So with those two haktamos, on the one hand, that dibor and speech is always an act of gavura, because every word that I say is always already a choice not to say any other word. And that Bechira and that choice is representative of a Chituch, of a cutting away of all of the other options so that I choose one specific word. In addition to the simple fact that there are two levels of speech, there is the preparatory stage of speech which remains caught up internally within the individual, not heard, inaudible, a silence of speech, so to speak, the Chash of Cheshvan, the murmuring of the lips prior to the enunciation of the words, in addition to the final enunciation of the words, which Chazal already see as a as a ma'isa, which the Maral says was too physical for Moshe Rabbeinu, with those two hakdamos, we're going to look at the words of Rav Kook and try and understand how the ospei allows us to continue the manifestation of limitation from the osayin, from the os of vision, leading us towards the taf, which is going to represent the full manifestation of being for the sake of disclosing. God's capacity, Kaviachal, of limitation, as we spoke about so often. Rufkook says as follows He says, The Ruach, the spirit, the Ruach Memala that we said, the Ruach Hayim, the capacity towards speech, is filled. The storehouse of the soul is filled. It is saturated. Once vision has taken root, once vision has collected, Everything external to itself, into the interior, so that the particular that was born in the os nun has now been saturated and prepared to take on its own independent existence, mit kansim that which is described and the capacity towards description. And all of the images that emerge once description of speech becomes possible, they fill the storehouse of the soul. They all split up according to their different camps. Because once we're talking about what we see in the world as individual existence, as individualized particulars that emerge in the Osnun out of the Klaliut of Mem, we're already talking about infinite possibilities. There are reboy plug in, there are different camps of ideas and parts that once I look at the world, once I am a particular individual who can look in the world, I'm overwhelmed by the particular options that can be found. And my soul is saturated. Hapratiyut kula b'chol oshra. Pratyut and particularization in its fullness saturate the individual to the point that we don't know where to turn. We don't know what to do with all of this potential that rests within us once the, eye in, once the eye was capable of discerning and seeing things. So the saturation, this overwhelmingness within the soul that is filled with what it sees now stands primed and ready for the cathartic act of speech to give birth to something actual the flowingness in its generality with all of its richness. So the soul again is filled after the ayin, the ayin hasokerat, the eye that sees and discerns all individual and particular existence is now filled and primed to express itself in a more particularized way. Ha'oram avhekes, the light shines forth, meaning it breaches its boundaries. The cracks emerge, And there is light shining outwards because the saturation of the self needs to express itself externally. And the ayin, the eye, the vision that discerned everything for the sake of the soul is primed to express itself in strength. So the saturation has reached its limit point. The eye that sees is no longer enough for the particular. It now needs to express itself in a more fundamental way, which is going to be the pet. Its spirit is strengthened and emboldened and its streams are getting ready to express themselves externally. They're boiling up within their source. Now they're primed to be expressed externally. Then and only then does the mouth arrive at its fullness. Only after the soul has been filled by what it has seen with Ayan only after the Nishama has been collated and gathered into itself all of the potential of its particular existence in the world of pratyut and limitation, only then is the soul so saturated that it needs to speak it out. It needs to share it. There is a khush, there is a feeling of a necessity to share that which the eye has seen with something else, to allow it to be expressed externally to take on more formation and more limitation through the act of speech. Hamavta lokech es mekomo. Expression takes its place. Now it is no longer simply stuck in the intellectual self-sufficiency of the mind, through the mind's eye, through the vision of the mind. It now needs to be expressed externally and expression takes its place. Vahamililiyut matkhila mit kashkeshet And speech and language begin to ring in their tunes within the individual. Because again, we're talking about speech prior to speech, the potentiation towards speech, the emergence of speech prior to its actual externalization through actual language. So what begins speech is the movement within the self of the music of the self. The sounds and the bells begin to ring because we're so filled with fullness that we... Received with the ayin, that we're ready now to express it, in its sounds ha ha-pe, hape I'm sorry, the pay the letter pay which again spells out pay Aleph, which is not pet of speech, but it brings to mind the pe of speech, so there's a difference. it's the preparation towards speech, yet not quite speech, Hape bemov ta esape Hamber the pay the letter pay in its expression with its Aleph. Brings to mind the speaking mouth, because it's the preparation of the peh with a hay. Peh with a hay represents the externalization of something. Peh with an aleph represents the limitation within the self prior to the actual enunciation. The mouth which contains within itself the storehouse of language, the storehouse of everything that can potentially be said, the expression of everything that a person sees that contained within the mouth, contained within the pe, the pe with the hey, is all language as it expresses itself in the myriad of, of positions that it can take. We're going to see in this week's Parsha, the Dor HaFlaga, that language in its breakage, that the Tower of Babel, the Tower of Babel, represents all of the different directions that speech can take. This represents the movement away from unity, the entryway into individualized languages, the Shivan Lashonos, as we'll see later on, and as is as, as it's expressed very beautifully in Lukutamaran Aran Torah we're going to see that language in all of its particularization and all of its individual, individualization is representative of concealment and expansion and randomness. But here we're talking about the pe with an aleph, which is the source of all of that prior to its enunciation, prior, its, prior to its differentiation. Shehim mit adrim, mit gabrim, umit paglim b'hamon raba. Language will eventually express itself in all different types of camps, lautzroto <speaking in Hebrew> to different lands and to different nationalities, leolamim <speaking> sehem. <in Hebrew> That language here for Rav Cook is not simply this political nature of language, but it is rather the spiritual and ontological sense that each word spoken by each individual creates a world. And the more that can be spoken means that the more worlds are created, which means the more myriad and multiplicity of experience. So therefore Ruf Cook is identifying here the fact that speech in its fullness the pe with the hay and not the pe with an aleph is representative of the emergence of multiplicity. Yet here we're talking about the root of that emergence of multiplicity as it exists in its aleph form prior to actual manifestation. Gvurat ha mispar shall hayud Atsurahu Surahu Bitokh Koachakibul Haruhani shall ha baze, the Koachha Hamaasi shall ha kuf, shanatnushnehem muhusem al-yusodharoshi shall tmunata payit. Here Rafkuk is explaining the image of the pay according to the Base Yosef. Now the image of the pay is that the main body of the pay is going to be con- comprised of a khuf and a base which is not by happenstance because chafbeis, again, is the chafbeis osios, which contain the entirety of speech. And as we described in the introduction of the race Milim Shirim, in the name of the Rishonim, as Michael Fishman brought down in his svarim, in his books, that chafbeis yachol, that chav yachol, that sort to speak, that the initial emergence of our ability to speak about godliness and kedushah is only through the chafbeis osios. So the external body of the pei is going to be a composition of of the Chaf and the base, And here's where Ruf Cook demands of us a certain memory of what the Chaf and the base represented. That the Chaf represented the preparation towards action, the, the Kapayim, the kafa mishkol, the weighing before an actual act, as well as the potential of the hands before they actually emerge in particularization of action, along with the base, which is the base kibul, which represented the halal HaPanui, panui, the vacant space that allows the aleph to take root. So the chaf and the base represent the receptacle of action and the potential towards action, along with, says Rav Kook, the yud that remains interior to the os Now, the Chafetz Chaim brings down already in the Mishnah Bura by the Tsura Sa'osios that this Yud within the Pnimius of the Os allows for the white space within the Pei to look like the Os Beis. That the interior of the ospei, when you look at it, the white space within the Os represents the Os Beis. Now the Meforshim and the Tzadikim explain the reason for this is that through speech, we express that which is interior to us. Speech is the only way that we are able to express that which is inside towards the outside. Which is why speech is how Hakadosh Baruch Hu created the world. So when you look at the ospei, the interior space is an ospey's, which represents bit, which means something is interior here. That the interior is externalized and expressed once the oz takes shape, that speech is already the preparation towards externalization. So Rav Cook here is describing that the pay is formed by the base and the chaf on the one hand, the receptacle towards the potentiation of action, because again, we're still in the middle of the aleph base. That's very important to remember. This is not actual speech for Rav cook. Actual speech, actual manifestation only takes place way after the taf at the end of the aleph base. So here in the middle of the Aleph base, what we're talking about here is just the shlab nosaf, an additional level of limitation and constriction that allows for reality to express itself fully. This is the spiritualization of speech, which is a limitation which is still a non-limitation. And when you look at Rav Cook's writings later on in the back and the recesses of the Sefer Reish when he talks about the Pei Sofit and the Havara of the Pei, he says explicitly speaking, and it's remarkable because he doesn't use this language elsewhere, that the limitation of the Pei is the koach gvul the bilti like we spoke about by the Aleph. It is the potential towards limitation in its unlimited sense because speech in its purity is the potential to say everything Yet no need to enunciate anything specific. It's the marcheshes. It's the murmuring of the lips, which we said in the name of the is the nature of the month of Cheshvan, which is the speech that precedes and follows speech. Once everything has been said, there still remains this unexpressible and non-expressed and enunciated idea of limitation. Ruvkook continues the potential of enumeration and quantity quantity in its fullness, like we saw by the Osiyot, exists internally to the pay it's contained within the spiritual receptacle of the beys. in addition to the koya haf ha, the actual movement towards action shall ha. That both the Chaf and the base have given of themselves to the main image of the image of the pey, and through the tools of thinking and the creation of actualization in the oschaf, as that through the Chaf and the base, through the Chav Yachol, through the Chaf base Osios, that make up the body of the Pei, we are now capable of expressing all of the saturation that the I and the Enayim have brought into the soul and brought into the self. We are now capable of expressing them externally through a further shlav of Hishtal Shlut, through a further, a further shlav of godliness, Kav yachol, emerging into limitation for the sake of limitation, realizing that it's simply part of godliness itself. The Os Yud emerges in the Os Peh, the potential towards enunciation and enumerization and multiplicity that the Os Yud represents in its purified form, the Nakudah Ha Kolala the infinitesimal point that contains infinitude within it, that is expressed in the Pet. The mouth now has the ability of expressing limitation in a very individualized and particularized form. the Habenanim and the creations improve themselves now here is a fundamental point for us to remember. Rufkuk from the Os Aleph and onwards is talking about a degradation. it is a removal away from the clarity of the Aleph from the Pelaha elyon. the essential unlimitation of godliness that cannot, that cannot be expressed in words. And all the way to the ped that we're up to now was a process of limitation, was a process of condensation and constriction. And a person can think that this is a removal away from the sublime holiness of Yichud, of the Aleph, and that which precedes the Aleph. But Rav Cook here is reminding us that the entire purpose of the unfolding of the Aleph base and the unfolding of language which represents multiplicity and its purity, all of this is for the sake of Habinyanim mishtaflelim. The creation is improving itself. This is a claw gandalani is sodnafutz, bekitvir of cook, that all limitation is for the sake of perfection. Like we said in the Aleph, there are two levels there is the shleimut, there is the static perfection, and there is the Hishtamut, and there is the dynamic perfecting. That is the purpose of the emergence of unity into multiplicity for the sake of deepening the level of unity once we see that even multiplicity and even separation and even linguistic differentiation and the enumeration of difference in words and the acts of Gevura that allow for speech to take place, all of that is simply for the sake of deepening and strengthening and amplifying the Kedusha Sayichud of the Tosefa Sakishut of the adornment of perfection, which Ravit Morgan Morgenstern speaks about so often, that the entire purpose of creation is for the sake of improving the infinite kavyachol, to show that the infinite kavyachol can even manifest within limitation, and speech and the mouth and the pay is a very fundamental station along that process because it re- represents a further emergence into particularity, which taken nakedly in and of itself seems to be an act of gavura but Ravkuk is showing us and reminding us that it is an act of improvement and an act of perfection. Here Rav Kook finds a biblical reference in the Sefer of Iub to the Ospet. Ad tavo, you may come until here. Pay with an Aleph represents limitation. It represents the self-constriction that allows for the preparation of speech. The discernment of the infinite thought, which represents the unlimited, as it emerges into a particularized idea, it begins to take shape in particular words. The choice of words that I choose is always an act of Gevura. It is the Heim Motza it is the five parts of the mouth that constrict the air, that constrict the Koliyut, that allow for a chitul Hadibor, that allows for an enunciation and a particularization of the voice that represents the unlimited, as we saw in Tishrei by the Kol Shofar, which represented the openness of voice without wordage, without verbiage. Here we find that the ospe is representative of the inner limit. It is the self as it prepares to emerge. It is godliness as it prepares to emerge into particularization, limiting itself, saying, here I will limit myself, ad po tavo, I will not go further. And this limitation, paradoxically speaking, allows for the emergence of a shlav nosaf, of a deeper level of particularization, of language, that once I say I am setting a limit, that limitation serves as an act of strength, as a hisgabrus haatzmius, like the Rebbe Rashab says in Hemshech mm-hmm. Samechvav and in the Ma'amarim of Tafresh of Nunteh, that gevura and limitation is an act of self-affirmation. It is a furthering of the self, it's self-overcoming, that gevura is representative of hisgabrus haatzmius. An intensification of the self, that by setting an internal limit, I allow myself to reveal myself. By setting an internal limit of adpo tavo, of the internalization of speech prior to actual enunciation and limitation of particular words, I am saying basically that I will stop the unlimited thought and I will allow myself now to enunciate, that thought in a particular form, with language, with words, with languages, with nations, with the breaking apart of language that takes place by the Migdal Bavel. We're going to see that after the Ospei particularization begins to take on a real shape. When we come to the os- Tzadi, Mir Tzashem, next week, we're going to see that Sadi and Sidkus and righteousness and the law of righteousness within the world is simply the forming in the direction of the potential of speech towards its purpose, towards the Ostaf, which is again going to be the emergence of particularity, yet edifying and constituting and amplifying unity in its source. So Be'ez V'shashem, once we come to the Ostadi, we're going to see how the speech now becomes the speech of the tzaddik, now becomes the speech of the righteous, which doesn't only serve to limit itself, but serves to actually engage and embrace and enlarge Kedusha in the world.